Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Hall of French Toast, Freddie Carlson. And as always, I am joined on the other side of the microphone by my good friend returning to the pod for the first time in several months, the heart of the wrestling fan base, Angelo. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello, everybody. It's wonderful to be back once again. And I couldn't say it any better. We are back. The dynamic duo is back once again, ladies and gentlemen. And that means it is now time for the final edition of the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast of 2021. What a year it has been. And we are very excited to be with you for our year in review. That is right. The year of 2021 in review. Tonight, we are recording on Tuesday, December the 28th, 2021. It is the final night of all WWE broadcasting as NXT 2.0 just concluded. And while AEW Dynamite is airing tomorrow, for all intents and purposes, we are assuming that nothing else will affect what we are discussing here tonight. Because our topic of the evening is to review our top 10 matches, our top 10 superstars, and ranking every single AEW and WWE pay-per-view of 2021 from worst to best. So Angelo and I have compiled two separate lists of our top 10 superstars and our top 10 matches of the year. We've seen each other's and there are a lot of similarities but also a few unique differences as well. And we have also uh, together compiled a list from 16 to 1, 16 being the worst, 1 being the best, of every AEW and WWE pay-per-view event of 2021, ranked from worst to best based on their cards, the results, the booking decisions, and what happened on that show. We are going to go through all of that. So, Angelo, you ready? I'm always ready. Alrighty. So, with, without further ado, let us begin right now. And that means it is now time to look at the 16 AEW and WWE pay-per-views offered this year. Now, we are considering WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 as two separate pay-per-views because they were two unique cards. They had two different match cards on each night with different match uh, results. So, each night is considered its own unique pay-per-view. Also, we are only considering WWE and AEW as those are the two primary companies that people watch unfortunately i personally and i know angelo is in a similar boat have not watched enough of impact wrestling ring of honor new japan or nwa to be able to rank any of their big shows this year uh on this list now we also have to keep in mind that the first half of this year was still marred very much by the covid pandemic and live crowds did not return in their entirety until for the most part the second half of 2021 save for wrestlemania and a handful of fans at double or nothing in may but be that as it may, we are focusing more on the in-ring quality, the in-ring stars, and the in-ring uh, results that we saw from these shows. And so the first match on Angelo and I's list ranks in at number 16, which in our opinion is unfortunately the worst mainstream pay-per-view of 2021, and that would be AEW Revolution from way back in March of 2021. I'm going to read through the match card, and then Angelo, I want your reactions, having looking back at this show several months later. This show includes the infamous botched ending that we'll get to momentarily. On the pre-show, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Maki Ito defeated Riho and Thunder Rosa in a tag team match. To open the show, the Young Bucks defeated uh, MJF and Chris Jericho for the AEW World Tag Team titles. 
Ray Phoenix eliminated Jungle Boy last to win the Casino Tag Team Battle Royale for a future World Tag Team title opportunity. Hikaru Shida defeated Ryo Mizunami for the AEW Women's World title. Kip Sabian and Miro defeated the Best Friends in a tag team match. Hangman Adam Page defeated Matt Hardy in a big money match. Scorpio Sky won the AEW Face of the Revolution ladder match to determine the future TNT Championship contender, defeating the likes of Ethan Page, Cody Rhodes, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and Penta El Cerro Darby Allin and Sting defeated Team Taz in a street fight. And Kenny Omega defeated Jon Moxley in the exploding barbed wire death match for the AEW world title to close the show with that infamous botched conclusion. And I have a feeling that that is going to be the big reason why this match ends up, this show ends up at the bottom of our list. Angelo, what is your result? What is your reaction to that match? Or to that show? And also that match as well. So the show itself, personally, I don't think was terrible. But it wasn't the greatest that I've ever seen. Um, especially, especially that botched main event that really like, that really killed the whole vibe of that show for me. I agree. Now, obviously that main event is going to go down in, in infamy as one of the most controversial finishes ever. And for those who don't know or have chosen to forget and um, suppress such a terrible memory, after the barbed wire death match, if the match did not end in 30 minutes, the ring was supposed to explode. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen because that would have killed either John Moxley or Kenny Omega, in this case Moxley, because he lost. And instead of having there be some sort of really ridiculous least amount of pyro, there was sparklers. And Eddie Kingston and John Moxley sold it like they just got shot. And it was terrible. Not going to lie, it was actually terrible. And the match was okay, but you know... AEW has become a little too reliant on the blood on the blood and guts. No pun intended on their show, um, and so yeah, it was uh, it, it was just a letdown. And and looking at the rest of the card, it wasn't the worst that you could possibly have. I mean, WWE puts on some worst matches on their pay per views, and we're gonna get to that. Trust me. For sure. But uh, <laughs> overall, I mean, I'm sorry. I just wasn't a fan of Kip Sabian and Miro versus the best friends going on in the middle of a big pay-per-view. Like, that, to me, wasn't a pay-per-view quality match. That's a match that if you're going to have it be the main event of Dynamite, I might be okay with it. But other than that, I'm, I'm not really here for it. Um, that match probably should have just opened the show, I mean, in all honesty. That's a pre-show match. I mean, and then uh, same with, you know, the AEW Women's World title when Hikaru Shida had it was just not it for me. I was not a fan whatsoever. So, you know, it just goes to show that AEW, they, they can't, you know, they, they can't always hit home runs. And that's okay. That's, like we said, this show is not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not our cup of tea, and that's why it's the bottom of the list for us. Anything else uh, from you, Angelo, on this one before we move on to number 15? I think we can move on to 15. So moving on to 15, we now jump to WWE. And the show that you and I were, whether it be fortunately or unfortunately, were in actually in attendance for at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, back in November. It was Survivor Series, the quote-unquote one night a year where WWE and Raw and SmackDown, I should say, go head to head. Dear God, already making me have PTSD from this night. Let's run through the card. On the pre-show, Shinsuke Nakamura and Damian Priest, U.S. Intercontinental Champ versus United States Champ, battled to a no contest as Nakamura got the uh, or Priest got disqualified because his alter ego came out. 
Opening the show, the only redeemable match on the card, in my opinion, as Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair in a banger of an opener, champion versus champion. By far match of the night, and arguably one of the best matches that either company put on all year, and we'll get to that later. But uh, Becky and Charlotte opened the show with a bang. Team Raw defeated Team SmackDown in a very weirdly booked 5-on-5 traditional Survivor Series tag team elimination match. Seth Rollins being the sole survivor. He teamed with Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory. Last eliminating Jeff Hardy from Team SmackDown, which also was comprised of Drew McIntyre, King, King Woods, and Happy Corbin. And Sheamus, because, you know, we needed Happy Corbin in there. Uh, Omas won the 25-man Pizza Hut sponsored The Rock's 25th anniversary Battle Royal. I just don't know why this was a thing. <laughs> RK Bro defeated the Usos in a very decent tag team uh, champions versus champions match. The Team Raw versus Team SmackDown women's five on five was a big letdown, and it's unfortunate because the women in there tried their best. But you know, it was it was unfortunate. Uh, Bianca Belair was last standing after her entire team got eliminated, and she was down four on one. She eliminated Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Natalia, and Tony Sto- uh, and Shotzi in very quick order to survive and win the whole freaking match. Tony Storm was also on their team. Team Raw also featured Carmella, Queen Zelina, Liv Morgan, and Rhea Ripley. And in the main event, Roman Reigns defeated Big E in a champion versus champion match. That, again, was good, but was not at the same level of uh, star power as uh, other matches on the card, and honestly, as other things should have been. So, Angelo, going back to that show, we were there. What were your reactions to it? So... Of course, you know, being there live in person, you're like, all right, you know, this is going to be a great show and everything. Survivor Series this year, to me, and I mean, Freddie, you heard it from my brother, too, because we went with him. It was a big letdown because, A, there was no buildup. B, it seems like the five-on-five matches were just stuff that they scrambled together last minute instead of having actual feuds involved. And... I don't know. It just it just didn't feel like it was it was lived up to the hype like it should have been. And there's a point that I want to get into later. You already know what that is, and if the club is listening, they know exactly what point this is because they have the same argument. But I'm gonna let you take over and say if, you know whatever you want to say right now. Yeah, I mean, look, the show had a little bit of potential. I do think that a match like Damian Priest versus Shinsuke Nakamura was interesting on paper, but it did not mesh as well as I hoped, and the booking behind it sucked. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of this bipolar Damian Priest character, and this was one of the earlier instances of seeing it. Having it been a few months now, we see that it's continuing to develop, and maybe it'll get more interesting. Also, as everyone knows, I'm not a fan of Happy Corbin, Baron Corbin, whatever you want to call him. I'm not a fan of his, so him being in the 5-on-5 was a big letdown. But like I said, I was pleasantly, pleasantly uh, surprised. Not surprised, I shouldn't even say, but impressed with the match between Charlotte and Becky, considering the rumors of their backstage beef. Uh, They went out there and they put on a great match, were professional, and it was obviously one of the matches of the year. And as I said, we are going to talk about that a little bit later. I think both of us will agree of that when we get there. But that being said, uh, yeah, the rest of the show, just kind of a bit of a bummer. Didn't live up to the expectations that it had, and those were low to begin with. So, overall, I do believe that this show is one of the lower end of the spectrum. Anything else from you, Angela? So, definitely was, and especially that main event, because Biggie versus Roman, it's your two main 
championships, your two main champions going head to head. Yep. And for the love of God, Freddie, you know what I'm about to say. Mm. If there is any time for Roman Reigns' cousin The Rock to come out, it would have been right after that match to build up for Mania. And they dropped the fucking ball on that. Let me tell let, now. Now let, let's get into that. Let's get into that. <sighs> this this show was pretty much built behind the rumor that The Rock was going to be there. The, behind the yep. rumor that they it was, they're celebrating his twenty fifth anniversary. They put out a piece of garbage twenty five man battle royal to commemorate his twenty fifth anniversary, be, all because Pizza Hut needed to be plugged a little bit more on the show. And you're going to sit here and tell me, you're going to sit here and tell me that you're going to do all of this, play vignettes all night long, tease it, tease it, tease it for weeks on social media and on your TV broadcasts, and it's just not going to happen? I mean, there's trolling, and then there's just really pissing off your fan base. And that's exactly what they did that night. The Rock, if you weren't going to bring him back and you knew it wasn't going to happen, don't go that deep. If you want to bring it up, we don't care. But you made it so apparent that he was going to be there. And he wasn't. And it was almost like they were just having a good laugh about it backstage. And it's like, no, it's not funny. It's really not. None of us found it amusing because we all left very annoyed and very disappointed. And we're still bitter about it a month and a half later. So, yeah. Yeah. He just couldn't show up, but he could make a peanut butter sandwich at home. Yeah, he posts about it like 15 minutes after the show that he was having a peanut butter sandwich, and it's like, oh, great, thanks, Rock. You have your peanut butter sandwich. We're going to drive home from Brooklyn depressed. That was every fan that night. Yeah. That, I, I'm still not over that. Yeah, I still have that bitter taste. Yeah, me neither, man. All right, let's move along before I continue to remain depressed. Number 14 on the list, <laughs> WWE Extreme Rules from back in September of 2021. And this show, honestly, I didn't even remember that it was happening until about an hour or two before the show when I saw some posts about it on Instagram, but let's go through it. Liv Morgan defeated Carmella on the pre-show. The New Day, fully reunited for this one, defeated Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos in a six-man tag team match to open the show. The Usos retained the SmackDown tag team titles over the Street Profits following that. Charlotte Flair defeated Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title. We have not seen Bliss on TV since. That was when the doll, Lily, died, so great, great, great. Damian Priest defeated Sheamus and Jeff Hardy in a triple threat match for the United States title. Bianca Belair won via disqualification against Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's title, but that match, the, the finish being underwhelming as Sasha Banks caused a DQ. And in the main event, Roman Reigns defeated the Demon Finn Balor in an Extreme Rules Universal Championship match. And that match was very good, probably match of the night considering the circumstances although the finish was really bogged down i was not a fan of all the supernatural stuff with the with the demon myself it felt really lame and corny especially because that's never been what the demon's about the demon's always just been about being this sadistic alter ego of finn balor that's never going to die never going to lose and you're gonna tell me that his first time losing on the main roster as the demon is going to be against roman reigns that's fine but not in that way um and the rest of the card, I mean, when you can't remember that there's a pay-per-view happening, I feel like that's already a problem. But, Angelo, what do you got to say about that? No, I totally agree. Like, just like you, and I'm pretty sure we're not the only ones that have that feeling. Like, I totally forgot that the pay-per-view was going to happen until I saw on Peacock that it was about a stream. And I'm like, oh, great. Might as well flip it on and just see what's going on. But, yeah, that the, the card wasn't 
the absolute greatest by any means. The only thing that I really, really enjoyed was that Roman versus Finn Balor match. And like you said, it was just like, the, the ending was pretty corny with the whole demon character. Yeah, I mean, the match was good. Not top tier, not by any means, but you know what? And also, it was extreme rules, right? This is supposed to be the quote-unquote one night a year that WWE goes extreme. Outside of Roman and Finn, no match had a stipulation. Not one. Not yeah, even not even, right. not even, a, a simple no disqualification. Like, one of the matches on the show ended in a disqualification. See, <laughs> like, it, uh, this is why I hate gimmick pay-per-views, and we've been over this time and again on the podcast here. Gimmick pay-per-views yep. don't need to exist. In the past, when you used to have a, a pay-per-view with a name, it was fine because they didn't have a gimmick with, attached to it. But now it's Hell on a Cell, Money in the Bank, TLC. You know, and this is another one. Um, it's just, it's so bad. And if you're not going to book Extreme Rules matches or, or stipulation matches on the show, then don't call it Extreme Rules. I don't care if your main event is an Extreme Rules match. The whole show is supposed to be built around that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, anything else to do with Extreme Rules before we move on to number 13? No, I'd actually like to move on and forget about that pay-per-view. Thank God, me too. <laughs> All right, so moving right along to WWE Fastlane, another show that took place in March of 2021. This was WWE's March offering a few weeks after Double or Nothing. Sorry, a few weeks after Revolution that we mentioned earlier. This match was the last stop on the road to WrestleMania, and here is where it went. On the pre-show, Riddle defeated Mustafa Ali to retain the United States Championship. Uh, I believe this was when Retribution officially broke up, and I don't want to ever say their names again on this podcast, so we're going to move right along. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeated Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks to retain their women's tag team titles. Dear God, it's just getting worse. Big E defeated Apollo Crews to retain the Intercontinental title, and I'm kidding you, not less than six minutes. Braun Strowman defeated Elias. I don't even remember that match happening in not even four minutes. Dear God. Seth Rollins defeated Shinsuke Nakamura. Once again, don't remember this match happening. Drew McIntyre defeated Sheamus in a very, very good no-holds-barred match that I do remember happening. I was a very big fan of that. Alexa Bliss defeated Randy Orton. I'm not even going to say it. And Roman Reigns defeated Daniel Bryan by a technical uh, submission to retain the Universal title in the main event. So clearly this match was a two-match. This car, this show was a two-match show. Sheamus and McIntyre going out there and basically saying, oh, we're just going to kill each other for 20 minutes, and that's what they do best. And you know what? It was fantastic. And then the main event, obviously, when you put Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan in the ring, you can expect greatness. And that's exactly what we got between those two that night. So, Angelo, I mean, uh, what do you got to say? You want to look at the good two or the rest? I'd rather just look at the good two. <laughs> yeah. We're still at the lower end of this list. There's not a lot of good, only only a little bit. But when we get to the top half, it'll be better. But what do you got to say? So, McIntyre and Sheamus, they fought each other to literally to haul him back. That match was, for me, that was definitely, for me, that was like match of the night. I'd probably put that really? over Roman and Daniel. Over Ryan. Roman and Daniel? Ah, that's, that's I probably a- would. It's it's literally that close. That's how good of a match that was. All right. I mean, hey, listen, I, I can respect that. I do I do have to say that both of those matches were were right up there. I I will say that Roman and Brian had three matches had well, I guess you can count 
four because Elimination Chamber there was technically one, and we'll get to that. Four right. matches where they were f- facing off of the Universal title earlier this year, and all of them were good. Well, the three real matches were all good, but I do have to say I think this was the lowest of the three, and that's saying a lot because this match is fantastic. So it's 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 a, it was two a two match show for sure. Easily, they literally carried that show on their backs. When you've got Elias facing Braun Strowman on pay per view, which was meant more of a means to set up a lot of Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman, you can you really see how this show was clutching at straws to even pull something together. So we're going to move right along to number 12. Oh, let's hope we get to the good stuff soon. Number 12, staying with WWE once again, was Hell in a Cell, which normally takes place in October, but this year took place in June. And even though Hell in a Cell was on a Sunday, they had a Hell in a Cell match on the Friday Night SmackDown before and the Monday Night Raw after as well because, you know, Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio didn't want to wait. And Xavier Woods, for some reason, needed to face Bobby Lashley in there as well. Anyway, going on to the show. On the pre-show, Natalia defeated Mandy Rose via submission. Jeez, look at how far Mandy has come in less than six months. Thank God she went back to NXT. Bianca Belair defeated Bayley in a very good Hell in a Cell match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Cesaro and Seth Rollins had another good match. Seth won. Is this not as good as their WrestleMania encounter? No, I don't think so. But uh, still a very solid match because these two are two of the best in the world. Alexa Bliss defeated Shayna Baszler. That match was was just, oh God. Sami Zayn faced Kevin Owens in their perennial never-ending rivalry where they're going to fight forever. Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley a, by disqualification in a Raw Women's Championship match. She did not win the title that night. And in the main event, the last chance Hell in a Cell match for the WWE title, Bobby Lashley defeated Drew McIntyre to to put a final nail in the coffin of their rivalry and thus make sure that as long as Lashley was champion, McIntyre could never challenge for the title again. So this match dominated by the success of the opener, which was Bailey and Bianca Belair, and the very strong closer in Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I always say with a gimmick show, if your gimmick match is not good, your show is not good. Thankfully, at least on this night, the gimmick matches were both very good, uh, but the rest of the filler just lackluster. What do you got to say, Angelo? I totally agree, especially the fact that they had, for me, the right people won those two matches, being Bobby Lashley and Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair had had a hell of a year, and that was one of the matches that made her, I feel like, made her a year great. Oh, for sure. This is a, definitely a year where Bianca was at the top of her game. It was one of the best. Yeah, and, so, like I said, the the gimmick matches, they they performed well enough that it it, it, it was serviceable. I, I, I'll say that. It was, it was serviceable, but, you know, it, it just, it, it didn't do enough for me didn't do enough for me and it's on the lower end it's not the worst it's not the best it's right around that that middle part for moving sure. right along number 11 wrestlemania backlash i already hated it because of the name because why would you name backlash a pay-per-view that has nearly 20 years of history after wrestlemania like you just you just it it, it just i uh, i Anyway, get, let's get on to the results because it's already going bad. 
Sheamus defeated Ricochet on the pre-show, and mind you, Sheamus was United States champion at the time, and this match was not for the United States title, so we're already off to a great start. To open the show, Rhea Ripley defeated Asuka and Charlotte Flair to retain the Raw Women's title in a triple threat match. Ray and Dominic Mysterio became the first ever father-son team in WWE history to win tag team titles as they defeated the Dirty Dogs, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Damian Priest, oh, this is the one I mentioned before. This pay-per-view had the worst match of the year. I, I, don't, I don't even know. I It was the zombie lumberjack match, Damian Priest and The Miz. I'm going to move right along because I, if I, 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 I feel physically ill thinking about it. Bianca Belair defeated Bayley to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then the two double main event, Bobby Lashley defeated uh, Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman in a triple threat match to retain his WWE title. And Roman Reigns defeated Cesaro for the Universal title in the main event, which was absolutely the match of the night. And it was so refreshing to see a guy like Cesaro get that opportunity. He deserved it. It was nice to see him in the main event of the pay-per-view for the world title. And even though he didn't win, it was great to see him there. And again, a much more of a one-match show. Really cool moment for Ryan Dominic Mysterio, a little lower on the card. But dear God, the zombie lumberjack match. I mean, really, this this show should be at the bottom just because of that. But I'm trying to look at the positives of the rest. So, Angelo, your take on WrestleMania backlash. Uh... So like you like you said, as soon as they change the name, you could expect something either really good or really terrible. And well, there's a reason why this pay per view is as low on our list as it is. The yeah. only, like you said, the only like saving grace was that Roman Cesaro match, and Cesaro really looked like a star. And in my opinion, he sh- I don't know why I feel like he should have won. Even though Roman was really over at that point in time. I mean, he's still over, but I feel like if you're going to pull the trigger on Cesaro, it should have been that match. It goes to show that as much as we'll always want him to get it, he'll never have that trigger pulled on him. And it's sad, but it's true. And look, he he had a main event world title match. Let's just be, Let's just be happy about that. You know, Roman's in the run of his life, and I'm I'm not upset that Roman retained. It's just upsetting that I know that that's as close as Cesaro will probably ever get, and that is a damn shame. In the past here on this podcast, I have done a full episode where I literally fantasy booked a whole world title run for Cesaro, and it's just, it's just disappointing that he is not a multiple-time world champion at this stage of his career. Alright, anyway, moving along. The last one in double digits, number 10. We jump back to AEW for the first time in a while. AEW Double or Nothing from back in May on Memorial Day weekend 2021. Here's the card for AEW's offering that night. On the pre-show, Serena Deeb defeated Riho to retain the NWA Women's World title. Hangman Adam Page defeated Brian Cage. That's a That's a rhyming sentence right there to open the show. The Young Bucks defeated John Moxley and Eddie Kingston to retain the AEW World Tag Team titles next. Jungle Boy eliminated Christian Cage last to win the Casino Battle Royale for a future AEW World Title opportunity. Cody Rhodes defeated Anthony Agogo. I don't even remember that match happening, so there you go. Miro defeated Lance Archer to retain the TNT Championship. Yet again, a match I don't remember happening, so there's awesome. 
Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, ascended to the throne and became the new AEW Women's World Champion by defeating Hikaru Shida, ending the, the, the record-setting reign of Shida. Darby Allin and Sting defeated the Men of the Year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Kenny Omega defeated Pac and Orange Cassidy in a triple threat match to retain the AEW Women uh, World Championship. And in the main event, the Stadium Stampede, the Inner Circle defeated the Pinnacle, Jericho, Hager, Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz defeated MJF, Sean Spears, Wardlow, and FTR in a very, very chaotic Stadium Stampede match, which has become AEW's calling card for Double or Nothing. I wonder if they'll continue it going forward. This match, I mean, this show was, was definitely very good at in points and low in others. Again, Anthony Agogo and Cody Rhodes. This match I don't remember happening, and I was not invested in at the time, obviously, either. I don't even remember Miro versus Lance Archer, and that's a match that is very unique and intriguing all the same. But then there's the high points. I mean, Kenny Pac and Orange Cassidy had a fantastic and unique triple threat match. And, I mean, to me, the stadium stampede was a bit overbooked, but that's to be said for a 30-minute, you know, brawl on a football field to main event your pay-per-view. I mean, yeah. What, uh, what do you have to say about this one, Angelo? I know you liked the stadium stampede. Oh, no, the stadium stampede, that was that was a really good match for the pay-per-view. I really enjoyed that one. And, I mean, even looking back, like Jungle Boy winning, too, his match. Oh yeah, the, the to get, casino to get the future uh, opportunity. Man, I'm actually I'm actually upset that he's not their champion yet. I mean, his time will definitely come, but he should he should be in the run for the title. Hopefully, this coming year in 2022, he he literally deserves his opportunity because. He's literally earned it this past year, especially after winning that match. He, For me, he definitely deserves to hold the big one. No, I agree. And I think, you know, we got the, we, we've got we heard a lot in recent weeks about the four pillars amongst this CM Punk and MJF rivalry that's developed. Right. And he is one of the four pillars. Uh, the original four pillars of AEW were considered to be MJF, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and Darby Allin. And if you ask CM Punk, you know, MJF has been replaced by Dr. Britt Baker. <laughs> But either way you look at it, um, he is a future star. And that's one thing that AEW's early, early days really focused on. And I hope they don't stray too far from it. They kind of are right now. And I'm hoping that that doesn't stick. Is that they used to put a good focus on the young guys and give them exposure on national TV. While also making sure that there's enough big name talent to get people to tune in. Then they watch these younger guys, they can get invested in them, and they can really develop and grow and become megastars on their own. MJF has done that. Darby Allen, to a good extent, has also done that. I think yep. Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy are over as hell as babyfaces right now, and they can get there, and I think that they will be there, especially Jungle Boy. This guy, he's and he had a really good uh, feud with the Super Click as well that culminated at full gear, and we're going to get to that a little later. And, yep. you know, it's just... There's a lot of good things for Jungle Boy's future, and I do hope they capitalize on it and don't take too much of a reliance on these former WWE guys who come in. I mean, there's a lot of them coming in, and it just doesn't seem to end. And there's not enough room, and we can go on. That's a separate topic to talk about, but Kyle O'Reilly just arrived in AEW. I don't need, see why he needs to be there, and if he's there, why do we need an Undisputed Era reunion? Again, a topic for another day, and I'm not going to get into it, but... 
it, it's it's very much a controversial thought, and I just I don't know what to think. But anyway, yeah. So Double or Nothing was was a mid show for sure, and that's why we find it in the middle of the list. And now we shall move on to number nine, and we're gonna go back to the WWE. For the Royal Rumble, that is right, Royal Rumble back in January of 2021 took place on the 31st of January from the Thunderdome, uh, obviously centered around your two, this is the one of the two gimmick shows that I am a very big fan of, this and Money in the Bank are my two favorites. To open the show, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defeated Asuka and Charlotte Flair to retain or sorry, to win the uh, women's tag team titles. The fact that I had to look at my notes to remember who were the champions goes to show how well they've treated those tag team titles this year. Dear God. Drew McIntyre defeated Goldberg to open the show for the WWE title in a match that lasted officially 2 minutes and 30 seconds. Thank God for that. Which probably when we watched it must have felt like about 15 years because watching a Goldberg match ages me like a fine wine, like a not-so-fine wine. Sasha Banks defeated Carmella to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Bianca Belair won the Women's Royal Rumble match, entering at number three and won the whole thing. That was a pretty cool moment for Bianca. Started off a fantastic year for her. Roman Reigns won a last man standing match by uh, defeating Kevin Owens to retain the Universal title. And Edge won the Men's Royal Rumble match. He entered at number one and lasted the entire thing, becoming only the third man in history to win the match from the number one position and the first one to do so in almost 20 years. Last eliminating number two, Randy Orton, who took a nap for most of the match. Again, a show right in the middle. The Rumbles were good. The winners, I think, were right, especially considering the circumstances. But with any Rumble, we always say that the undercard is usually very poor. And this is no different. I mean, come on. Goldberg. We know how I feel about Goldberg. Angelo, what do you got to say about it? No, definitely, like, the the card itself wasn't bad. But, again, it wasn't the absolute greatest, especially... The women's tag team championship match, McIntyre versus Goldberg. Thank God McIntyre retained on that. Yeah. I am very happy for that. Uh, Sasha Banks and Carmella, that wasn't a terrible match. Not something I, you know, really particularly would like to go back and rewatch. <laughs> uh, Bianca Belair winning, that was, I mean, I kind of saw that coming because of the way that she was being booked. So, you know, I'm really happy about that. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. That was a hell of a match. That one I really, that match I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean the show, the show was was decent, and that's why it's kind of right in the middle. It didn't have too many low points, but it was also a Royal Rumble without fans. Right, that... and if you even if you look at like the surprises that they had, you know whoever whoever came up, it was cool to see Christian. It was cool to see Christian. It was cool to see Carlito. Yeah, yeah, Carlito, I forgot about yeah. him. Did we need the hurricane again? No, but, you know. <laughs> no, definitely not the hurricane, but, you know, he's always he's always fun to see, I feel. You yeah, know? He's to an extent. <laughs> one of those guys that you look back on and you're like, holy shit, like, he's still around, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, look, the show was good. I don't, I, this is the only show that really gets hindered by the lack of fans because it's the Royal Rumble, it needs fans. So... Look, exactly. unfortunate circumstances because of the pandemic, but they made the most of it. It was decent. I'll give it that. 
We're going to move along to number eight. We're halfway through, and we apologize for taking so long. This feels like our first episode all over again. But moving to number eight is SummerSlam and the big return to the biggest party of the summer at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. 51,000 people attended this show, and it was so nice to have fans back in full capacity. This show had a lot of good and big moments, and let's go right along. Oh, the pre-show. Oh, the pre-show. Big E defeated Baron Corbin. I'm not even going to talk about it. I don't like Corbin. We all know this. RK Bro won the Raw Tag Team titles by defeating uh, AJ Styles and Omos in the opening match of the show. Only seven minutes, so great. Alexa Bliss defeated Eve Marie. <laughs> Damian Priest won the United States Championship by defeating Sheamus next. The Usos retained the SmackDown Tag Team titles by once again defeating the Mysterios. Becky Lynch returned in a massive, massive surprise to replace Sasha Banks and win back the SmackDown Women's Championship from Bianca Belair. Controversial booking decision. Um, but yes, uh, Bianca was, was sort of buried that night, but nonetheless. Drew McIntyre defeated Jinder Mahal. Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. in a triple threat match to regain the Raw Women's Championship for the 9,477th time. Finally, on to some good. Edge defeated Seth Rollins in a fantastic match, the first in their trilogy, but they would get better, and we will get to that. Bobby Lashley defeated defeated Goldberg to retain the WWE Championship. It's like he just doesn't go away. And in the main event... And arguably one of the better matches of the year as well. Roman Reigns defeated John Cena to retain the Universal Championship in a clash of icons. Which after the match saw Brock Lesnar return to F5 John Cena and begin his now still ongoing feud with Roman Reigns. And let me tell you, the match... That was that was the high point. So go through SummerSlam, as you can tell, it was a roller coaster. It was up, it was down. It was up, it was down. What do you have to say about it, Angelo? No, I definitely agree with that. You know, it was definitely a roller coaster of a show. And Roman and Cena, like you said, it was a clash of icons. It was new school versus old school, and that match was definitely a match of the night. Great to see uh, Brock Lesnar come out, and I guess take his place. As a contender for the title against Roman, uh, that that match was just—I don't know—that match was just awesome from top to bottom. It was that and Ed versus Rollins; those two were for me matches of the night. Oh, Easily. for sure. Especially Edge versus Rollins. That oh my god. Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, the 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 show picked up a lot more pace towards the end. Edge and Rollins and uh, Roman and Cena being the two big, you know, draws for the show, and also just in general, it was a, it was it was good to see because they really, um, they really went for it. I gotta say, and uh, I just think that the earlier part of the show with the matches like Baron Corbin on the pre-show and. Uh, Eva Marie even being on the card. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of Eva. And the controversy in the Becky Bianca match. The Jinder Mahal match not really needing to be there. You know, there's just so many questionable things for a SummerSlam. But the high points were high enough. There was fans in attendance. There was electricity. Becky's return in and of itself was a massive moment. And the show was very enjoyable. So that's why it's still in the middle. But it is definitely on the higher end of the middle from our end. Smack dab 50%. Number 
So moving yep. on to number seven, we're in the top half now, getting into the better part of the year. We're going to February, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, and that was a show that had a lot of interesting things go on. On the pre-show, John Morrison defeated Elias, Mustafa Ali, and Ricochet to enter the United States Championship triple threat match on the main card. The show opened with a unit with the Universal Championship number one contendership match. Uh, Daniel Bryan outlasted Cesaro, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn. He immediately had to face Roman Reigns, where he lost in a minute and a half because, you know, he went through a 35-minute chamber match and was dead and was submitted by Roman Reigns, and that kicked off their ongoing feud, as I mentioned. Many good matches to come between the two. Uh, Riddle defeated Bobby Lashley and John Morrison to win the United States Championship, often forgotten that he held that title for over almost two months this year, but he did. Oh, because we needed to see this again. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeated Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks to retain the women's tag team titles because, you know, reasons. Drew McIntyre then won the Elimination Chamber match to retain his WWE Championship by defeating AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Sheamus. It was a fantastic match. Drew lasted all of them and won and retained his title. However, after the match, he was assaulted from behind by Bobby Lashley, who was not in the match. Bobby would then cause The Miz to cash in, and The Miz left Elimination Chamber as the WWE Champion. Eight days he held that title, ladies and gentlemen. Eight days before he got eaten by Bobby Lashley, literally alive. So, going back to Elimination Chamber, what was your uh, thoughts on it? So, again, another, for the most part, pretty solid card. Um, Especially the... Elimination Chamber match for the for like the immediate Universal Championship opportunity. That was a great match. Uh, unfortunately, like you said, Brian lost in a minute and like thirty seconds. So he literally worked his ass off, got you know the number one position, and then got squashed. So unfortunately, it didn't have a good outcome. Uh, Drew yeah. McIntyre versus. AJ Styles, well, the, versus AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Sheamus. That Elimination Chamber match was really good. And then at the end, having Miz cash in, I mean, I was excited for him to cash in and finally win a WWE Championship. What was it, 10 years later? 11 years later? Um, it was, yeah, he won the first title. He cashed in Money in the Bank back in November 2010 and held the title for like six months back then. So going over 10 years now. So a little over 10 years. I was hoping that his reign would last a little bit, but, you know, this is what we got out of it. So I guess we could be a little bit happy for that. The definition of a transitional champion. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and not a bad call either. No, because you wanted you wanted to draw out the Bobby and, and Drew feud for sure. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm not even like that pissed off about it. It's, it was it was uh you know the card itself was really good, so yeah, it, it definitely was. So um, I mean, look at the end of the day, a good show, interesting moments, and some surprises, and that's what you wanted out of a pay per view. So on the higher end. Moving along to number seven, we're going to go to the first night of WrestleMania, WrestleMania night one, and let me tell you, this show was so nice because it was the opportunity to have fans back. 
in attendance. There was fans in attendance for the first time in one year, one month, and one day. Night one WrestleMania. And it's number seven on our list. Or sorry, number six on our list for good reason. We'll get to the card. The, sh- the first match in front of fans, isn't it fitting that Drew McIntyre gets to be in that first match considering what he missed out on because of the pandemic? Drew McIntyre challenged Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship and failed to regain it because he fell to a technical submission. Uh, Natalia and Tamina won the tag team turmoil match. That match was a flop. Uh, not ca- No pun intended on Mandy Rose falling on her ass. Cesaro defeated Seth Rollins in what was the much better of their two singles encounters this year. They went out and killed it. AJ Styles and Omos won the Raw Tag Team titles by defeating the New Day. Braun Strowman faced Shane McMahon in an okay steel cage match. I say okay because Braun did his best. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest had arguably <laughs> one of the better matches of the year, and I can't believe I'm saying that, by defeating The Miz and John Morrison in a tag team match. And Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks main evented WrestleMania. Good for them. They won. They had the SmackDown Women's title on the line. Belair won the title. It was a huge moment. Good for the two of them, and honestly, I'm putting this. I put. I wanted this match, this show so high because of that match. Most importantly, but also the supporting cast was all very good. There really wasn't any more. The only dud was tag team turmoil. Everything else was more than okay. Did what it needed to do. Was was very good, especially that main event between Sasha and Bianca. What do you say, Angela? I 100% agree, and. You know, they made the right decision having them go on last. Yeah. Close the show for night one and, you know, open up for night two with another great main event that we'll get into later on. Yeah, exactly. And I'm honestly shocked that Bad Bunny could actually wrestle as good as he did. The greatest um, celebrity wrestling match I have ever watched. And trust me, I've seen some really crap ones. So to say that really, you really got to get me on board. And they did. So they, they did a very good job of convincing me. And, and it was a good match. And deserving of actually being on WrestleMania, unlike matches with Snooki. You know, and I'll never get to this. Snooki has had a match at WrestleMania and won. And dear God. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> we are moving into the top five now. So now this is where everything is pretty much all perfect, or almost perfect, you know. There's very little bad and mostly good. So the number five entrant goes back to AEW for AEW Full Gear back in November of this year. The show opened with a pre-show six-woman tag, at, or tag team match, I should say, as Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose fell to the team of Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. The show opened with uh, one of the matches of the year, and we're going to get to that later, as Darby Allen and MJF put on a stormer. MJF picked up the win. The Lucha Brothers defeated FTR to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championship in some pristine tag team wrestling, and that's what AEW specializes in. Brian Danielson defeated Miro to become the number one contender to the AEW World title in another great match. Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian Cage won a Falls Count Anywhere match against the Super Click in a fantastic match, which was a huge coming out party for Jungle Boy in terms of being a really serious main event competitor. Cody Rhodes and Pac defeated Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. I mean, that was a decent match, not at the top of the list. I'm sorry. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeated Ty Conti for the AEW Women's World title. Also very good, uh, but not, you know memorable for anything other than the fact that it was, you know, for the title. Uh, CM Punk defeated Eddie Kingston in a fantastic match. The Inner Circle defeated 
um, the men of the year in a Minneapolis street fight, uh, as well as American Top Team that was with uh, Dan Lambert's uh, crew. And in the main event, the perfect uh, final to the show was Hangman Adam Page defeating and ending the 300-long-day reign of Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. It was a fantastic moment. It was done perfectly. It was a great match. Kenny and, and Hangman told a story, and they did an amazing job with it. So, number five on our list for good reason. Angelo, what do you have to say? So the whole card, like you said, was damn near perfect. And the main event was that that main event was obviously match of the night, but it, it had, like you said, great storytelling and everything. And I'm still happy that Hangman is our AEW world champion. Yeah, I mean look He they, finally won it. They 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 did the right thing, the booking was was spot on and sometimes when the booking is done right there's almost nothing that you can say that would be wrong they did a great job and they went out there and they had a fantastic match they had um story that was perfectly built the the finish was done to perfection everything about it was great and like i said the undercard too i i don't really think any match was inherently bad I just feel like the, the lull point was that tag team match with Cody and Pac against Malachi and Andrade just because it didn't have any stakes to it. It just kind of felt like it was there. But even then, look at the four guys in the match. They're all great in the ring. So, you know, it wasn't bad. And that's what you love about a show is when it's not bad by any stretch. So, full gear, definitely on the higher end of pay-per-views for 2021. For now, sure. we move to number four, WWE produced Money in the Bank, which was the full-on return to touring. WWE went back on the road with this show. took place in, I'm trying to remember where, Fort Worth, Texas, the Dickies Arena. And they had fans in attendance for the first time outside of WrestleMania in a year and a half. And they put on a fantastic show. The Usos defeated Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio to win the, the SmackDown Tag Team titles on the kickoff show. Nikki A.S.H. defeated Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Naomi, Tamina, Zelina Vega, and Natalia. Uh, Tamina, who I don't know who I said, to be honest with you, in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. That was a fantastic match. Uh, shocking winner. Did not see it being Nikki, but you know what? It was cool, and she got uh, a cool moment the next night on Raw as well. Uh, Bobby uh, AJ Styles and Omos defeated the Viking Raiders to retain the Raw Tag Team titles. This match just kind of felt like it was there. That was the lull point for me. Bobby Lashley steamrolled through Kofi Kingston, solidifying himself as the monster champion that he needed to be, and he retained the WWE title in the process. Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley to win the Raw Women's Championship, and although I was not a fan of the booking decision, I was a big fan of the fact that Rhea and Charlotte went out and put on a stormer in that match. WWE ranked it as one of their top 10 best matches of the year today, so good on them for recognizing success and talent where it was due. Big E outlasted Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, Riddle, um, Ricochet, and Seth Rollins to win the Money in the Bank ladder match in the perfect decision, the perfect choice. You can't tell me otherwise. That was the man for it, and I'm so glad that he won. And in the main event, Roman Reigns defeated Edge in another fantastic match in his series of championship main events this year as he retained the Universal title after a 33-minute classic. And the show went off the air with John freaking Cena returning to WWE for the first time in a year and a half 
and essentially saying he wants Roman, he wanted the Universal title, and he got what he wanted at uh, SummerSlam. We've already covered that match, but wow. What a show. Top to bottom, they delivered in almost every aspect. As I said, the only match that didn't feel like it needed to be there was AJ and Omos versus the Viking Raiders. It was just the obligatory match to get AJ and Omos on the card. But Angelo, what are your thoughts on Money in the Bank? So, going back to your point really quick before about, like, gimmick pay-per-views and everything, and how sometimes if you don't have a gimmick, the show's a total flop, this pay-per-view proved that point to be, like, correct. Like, if if your gimmick doesn't work, it's gonna be total shit. This pay-per-view completely worked, and the gimmicks, they totally worked. You had the right winner for the men's match. The women's match, I mean, was it questionable? Kind of, but at the same time, Nikki, she got what she deserved after a while. Oh, for she sure. Became, she, she became the women's champion. I was actually really happy for her. No, as was I, because they, you know, they made good booking decisions that night, and that's something that you don't see often from WWE, is solid, consistent booking, and they did a very good job of doing that this time. I'm very glad that they did, and I hope that we get more of that in the future. Um, but yes, Money in the Bank was by far a very good show, all things considered, and definitely a fitting return to fans being in attendance. Speaking of fans being back in attendance, number three brings us back to April and WrestleMania Night 2 which saw one bad match start the show, but it picked up very quickly as the show went on. Uh, Randy Orton defeated The Fiend in Bray Wyatt's last match of WWE. That match was just kind of iffy, but then we're going to get along here very, very quickly. Um, Nia Jax and Shanna Baszler retained the, the women's tag team titles over Natalia and Tamina. It was a decent match. I mean, definitely one of my... One of the higher points of their reign. I mean, that's saying a lot, but, you know, still very decent. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had another good match. Those two always, you know, in their obligatory fight forever phase, as we always like to say. Sheamus defeated Riddle to win the United States Championship in a hard-hitting match where he literally almost kicked Riddle's face off. Apollo <laughs> Crews defeated Big E in the Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental Championship. That gimmick still makes me laugh. Rhea Ripley defeated Asuka to win the Raw Women's Championship. And again, the right decision was made. Let the youngster come up from NXT win the title. I think that was great. And in the main event, the match that makes the whole show and brings it as high as it does, the triple threat match for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defeated Daniel Bryan and Edge to retain the title by pinning them at the same exact time, might I add. Wow. I mean, seriously, what a match. What a show. Again, I think night one, top to bottom, was more evenly distributed. But Night 2's star power and success in terms of what they aimed to do. They had Logan Paul on the show. You know, those things really made it deliver. So what do you have to say about uh, Night 2 for you, Angelo? Night 2 was definitely... It was it was a great pay-per-view on its own, too. Like, especially that main event, the triple threat for the title. That's the perfect closer to any of the four main pay-per-views and for that to take place on mania that was that was a great decision i mean even even looking back like at rhea ripley and oscar definitely the right call to have rhea ripley win that match too 
she she's one hell of a wrestler, and I was a fan of her work in NXT. So for her to win the Raw Women's Championship, that was that was the right call in my mind. Well, for sure. So yeah, I mean, it was a great match. Um, it was a good show, and I think that uh, that main event just really sent it home. So now we're getting to number two, and I I really can't believe I'm about to say this, but the best WWE pay-per-view of the year took place in Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. Considering the history of these shows, WWE really went out there and surprised the ever-living shit out of me with this one, but let's go through the card. The Usos defeated the Hurt Business on the pre-show. I honestly don't even remember that match happening, but it sounds like it was interesting. And now we get into the good stuff. Edge defeated Seth Rollins in a, hell, in a Hell in a Cell match. And my God, this might be my favorite Hell in a Cell match of all time. And that is saying a lot. But they went out and told such a beautiful story to end their trilogy. It was done to perfection. It was done in every way you want it to be done. And they went out and told a masterful piece of, work, of artwork out there. What a match to open the show. Mansoor defeated Mustafa Ali in a match that I think was the perfect, if you're going to have a, a singles match that doesn't have any stipulations or titles, this is what you want. Good on them to have that match there, and good for Mansoor to pick up the win. RK Bro defeated AJ Styles and Omos to end their uh, their attempt at regaining the Raw Tag Team titles. Queen Zelina was crowned as she won the finals of the Queen's Crown Tournament. Again, probably the only dud on the card because they never really they, they rushed that show uh, that tournament to an extent. Uh, Goldberg defeated Bobby Lashley, and you guys are going to fall out of your chair when I say this, but this was my favorite Goldberg match since he returned to the company in 2016. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but they went out and they actually had a good match, him and Bobby Lashley. And I'm not even mad that Bobby lost because it didn't do anything bad for Bobby. You know, it was a good match. Goldberg won, and the fact that I'm even saying that blows my mind, but yes, it happened. Xavier Woods defeated Finn Balor to become the king of the ring. Honestly, the match wasn't even the most perfect one, but it was exactly what it needed to be. It was good for them, and it was a good, feel-good moment for Xavier. Now, I should say King Woods. Big E defeated Drew McIntyre to retain the WWE title and actually, you know, shocked me a little bit, but a very, very good decision, and it was a solidifying moment for Big E as champion. Um, second best match of the night honors go to Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, and Becky Lynch for the triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's title. Becky retained her title that night. If it wasn't for Edge and Seth, they would have had the match of the night. And to say that three women had that kind of a moment in Saudi Arabia, it was good for them. And I tell you, that match had so many good false close finishes that I was really, really invested in the whole thing. And I'm so glad that they got to go on in the semi-main in Saudi Arabia. Good for them. And in the main event, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns beat the piss out of each other, but Roman Reigns, thanks to distractions from the Usos and Paul Heyman, retained the Universal title. Their story far from over. They will face off at day one in just a couple of days. But from top to bottom, without question, the best show WWE has ever put on in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and for sure, the best WWE pay-per-view of this year. Angelo, what do you have to say about it? I definitely agree with this having to be the best pay-per-view of the year. Like, the card from top to bottom is literally, like, almost perfect. Especially, especially Edge and Rollins, you can't go wrong with putting them in a match. No, of course then, not. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, of course not. They, you know, those two had a great series of matches. Their trilogy was, without question, one of the best... Um, 
one of the best like series of matches of the year and it, it was it, it was so well put together they actually made the pay-per-view make sense and they gave it a reason for existing unlike some other of these shows where they've just put matches on there for the sake of putting them on there you know obligatory tournaments or unnecessary gauntlet matches it came down to the fact that every match on this show had a reason for being there and that is a rarity in the wwe and i'm very glad that we finally got one that was like that. If they're going to have it, let them do it this way all the time. That's all I got to say. I don't want them to go back there personally, but you know what? If they're going to do it, at least make the show make sense in context. I don't want it to just be a blip in the radar and kind of not make sense compared to everything else going on. And don't, for the love of God, keep bringing guys out of retirement. Yes, Goldberg had a great match on this show, but he's had too many failed opportunities in Saudi Arabia. I'm looking at you, match with The Undertaker. I'm looking at you winning the Universal title from The Fiend. That's... Anyway, moving along, please, let's stick to the good because we're at the number one spot. Our favorite pay-per-view of the year was from AEW back in September. AEW All Out 2021. I mean, this show just had it all, didn't it? It was the in-ring return after seven and a half years for CM Punk. It, w- it had the match of the year, in my one of the matches of the year. It had two amazing debuts back-to-back to end the show. Let's go through it. There was a 10-man tag team match on the pre-show. Best Friends um, and the and Jurassic Express defeated the Hardy Family Office to open the show. Um, oh, sorry, in the pre-show. Then on the main card, Eddie Kingston and Miro had a fantastic TNT Championship match. They beat the crap out of each other. Uh, Miro retained. John Moxley defeated Satoshi Kojima in a very good match. And then, of all people to come out afterwards, Minoru Suzuki, the king of all the world. <laughs> Just, Kazini Nare, like, come on. Shit, Minoru Suzuki was in AEW this year because of this night. Like, oh my goodness. Dr. Britt Baker defeated, James, uh, defeated Chris Statlander to retain the AEW Women's World Championship. The Lucha Brothers became the AEW World Tag Team Champions by winning a steel cage match against the Young Bucks. I'm telling you right now, this is the greatest tag team match I have seen outside of one in my in my life. All right, I, I, I cannot for the life of me put it above DIY versus FTR, two out of three falls that take over Toronto in 2016. But gimmick-wise, the best tag team gimmick match I've ever seen and it's up there. And I, I'm a huge fan of the TLC matches from back in the day. So that's saying a lot. Uh, then Ruby Soho eliminated Thunder Rosa last to win the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale for a future Women's World title opportunity. Thunder Ruby Soho and, and, and AEW. Another debut. Chris Jericho defeated MJF in a very good match to end their feud. CM Punk defeated Darby Allin in his return to the ring. So good to see CM Punk back and it's so nice to have him back in the ring. The dud, Paul White defeated QT Marshall. We're going to skip right over that because nobody cares. And in the main event, Kenny Omega defeated Christian Cage to retain the AEW World Championship. And after the match, Adam Cole and the American Dragon, Brian freaking Danielson, arrived in AEW. And they debuted. And it's just like, this show just did not stop. And you take out Paul White's match, and this show had everything you would ever want. No duds, no bad matches, everything made sense. They had great booking decisions. The debuts were off the charts. I know I've been I've been hypocritical. I sound hypocritical when a few minutes ago I said that I think they should stop signing people. But that's because of this, not in spite of this. These signings were it. After you bring in Brian and Cole, you don't need anybody else. 
and they still do. They bring in Brian Daniel, I mean Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, and on and on and on. And then that's and now it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, but this show at that moment when that show ended, everything was perfect. Their roster was complete. They needed nobody else. But yet, they did. And that's a separate issue. But Angelo, do you have, is there anything else you can say about this show at all? No, absolutely not. Like like you said, this show was except for QT and Paul White, Big Show, whatever the fuck you want to call him. This show from top to bottom was absolutely like perfect. And even the ending. I mean, you look at CM Punk coming back after after like he says seven years. After seven years, the pop that he got from the crowd in his hometown of Chicago. Beautiful. And that that was just oh my god. And then the pop at the end of the show between Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. That was, was just holy crap. I was out of my seat. I was literally on my I was on my feet the entire mo- like it was so nuts. But yeah, I mean just the best show of the year. Nothing better. All right. Easily show of the year. Yeah, so moving right along, to, to speed this up a little bit, Angelo, what I think we should do next is I'm just going to read through my top 10 matches, you read through your top 10, and then we can just discuss, rather than going one by one for each of us. Sounds good. So going first, for me, my t- number 10th best match of the year is Darby Allen versus MJF from Back at Full Gear. Number 9 was Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch from Survivor Series 2021. Number 8, John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Number seven is a match that we have yet to talk about because it was not on a, on a pay-per-view, but it was on an NXT special. NXT TakeOver 36 for the NXT United Kingdom Championship. Ilya Dragunov ending the near 800-day historic reign of the ring general Walter. Number six, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair at WrestleMania Night 1. Number five, another match we did not mention because it was on TV. Uh, the Lights Out match between Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker from St. Patrick's Day Slam on Dynamite. Another match on Dynamite, number four, Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson's one-hour time limit draw at Grand Slam in September. Number three, Edge, Brian, and Reigns at WrestleMania Night 2. Number two, shockingly, based on how, how much I put it over before, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks at All Out. At number one, my favorite match of the year, Edge and Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel. There's no match better. Those two went out there, and it, it, it didn't... <clears throat> the one thing, the reason that I put this over uh, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers is because that match was a spot fest. And that's what you're going to get with the Young Bucks, and that's what you're going to get in AEW and in an AEW cage match. It's a spot fest. And I like a spot fest. But if I'm putting number one of the year, Edge and Rollins, they had their big high spots, but it wasn't around that. It wasn't centered around that. Their storytelling, their chemistry, everything about that match was perfect from top to bottom. You can't argue me otherwise. I'm sorry. So yes, Edge and Rollins, Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel, the end to their trilogy, my number one match of the year. Angelo, what's your top ten? Alright, so starting off with number ten was Survivor Series, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, champion versus champion. Number nine was the Dynamite episode, the unsanctioned match of Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Uh, then number eight is the Double or Nothing Stadium Stampede Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle. Number seven is NXT Takeover Thirty Six Dragonov versus Walter for the UK title. Number six is NXT Takeover Thirty Six Cole versus O'Reilly. 
Number five is NXT War Games Black and Gold versus NXT 2.0. Number four is Survivor Series Champion versus Champion Roman Reigns versus Big E. Number three is the AEW World Title match that took place recently. Brian Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page. Number two, another title match. AEW World Title match at Full Gear Page versus Omega. Number one, this is my number one because I really, really, really enjoyed this match. WrestleMania Triple Threat, Ryan versus Reigns versus Edge for the Universal title. And so as you all can see listening at home, we have some similarities and we also have some differences. Now we both feel very highly about Edge, Ryan, and Reigns, Walter and Dragunov, uh, Charlotte and Becky, Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker. But then there's some differences. I know, Angela, you have a lot more NXT on your on your, on your list. And I want it to be known that if we could go to number 11, my number 11 would be the War Games match, Black and Gold versus 2.0. But I just I can't put it above Darby and MJF, two young guys who went out there and they had a 20-minute classic. But, um, you know, and that, I think that's the difference. And I feel like uh, I'm a little surprised to see Cole and O'Reilly on there. I was a bit underwhelmed by their NXT feud, all things considered especially over matches like the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, as well as Seth and Edge. But you know what? Hey, I think that there's some really good matches, and, and all of these matches were good. I mean, when you're looking at the best matches of the year, even though it's very subjective 95% of the time, if you like a match and you think enough of it to be in this discussion, then you are still watching a good match. And even though for me, I watched all the matches that are on Angelo's list. Angelo's watched all the matches that are on my list. I really liked Paige versus Brian Danielson in this. They had us. They themselves had a sixteen-minute time limit draw, which I mean, the fact that Dan- Brian Danielson let, let let's appreciate Brian Danielson in the year twenty twenty one. Brian Danielson competed in the WWE Royal Rumble match. He main evented night two of WrestleMania. He won the Elimination Chamber. He main evented SmackDown and had his, his WWE career ended. Then he comes to AEW in the shock of all shocks and debuts to close out All Out. He beats Miro in his first pay-per-view match. His, his, first, big, his first match in AEW is a 60-minute time limit draw with Kenny Omega in September. And then three months later, he has a 60-minute time limit draw with Hangman Adam Page for the world title. And now they're going to have another match with him and Page on January the 5th. And if it goes 60 minutes, it's going to go to the judges. And let me tell you, if they're bringing judges in, I think this match is going 60 again. In a it year, Brian, Brian Danielson has had so many matches that are on the top of everybody's list in two different companies. This man is a legend. I'm telling you. He did not need to go to AEW. He wanted to. And since he's been there, he has put on clinic after clinic with the likes of Kenny Omega, Miro, and now Hangman Adam Page. And I am so excited to see what else he can do there. But yeah, so that is our top 10 matches of the year. And to move right along now, we're going to move into our top 10 superstars of the year. Now, before we read through this list, allow me to say, this is a list combined, just like we did for the matches, both AEW and WWE, as well as male and female. It's all in one list. It's all inclusive. So there's no specifications by company or gender so my number my top 10 is as follows number 10 the queen charlotte flair who was a multiple time raw women's champion this year number nine big e who won money in the bank as well as the intercontinental and wwe championships this year 
Number eight, Sasha Banks, who was the SmackDown Women's Champion entering this year and had a very long-term, high-profile feud with the likes of Bianca Belair and with Becky Lynch. Number seven, Drew McIntyre, who entered the year as WWE Champion, had a major feud with the likes of Goldberg, Bobby Lashley, and now uh, and Sheamus, who had some fantastic matches, all of them together. Number six, Hangman Adam Page, who entered this year trying to find himself, but by the end of the year was the face of AEW and the winner of the AEW World Title Eliminator, uh, the World Title uh, Ladder Match. Uh, he was the Joker, and he was now AEW World Champion. Number five is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and yes, she's my number five because she's had the year to remember. She had a match of the year candidate with, with Thunder Rosa, then went on to win the AEW Women's World Title, and she has not stopped since. Number four, the almighty Bobby Lashley, who's high on this list because of his six-month-long reign as WWE Champion, and he did a hell of a lot in that reign. Let me tell you, his matches with the likes of Drew McIntyre and Goldberg, among several others, featuring high up on my list of why I love Bobby Lashley and solidifying himself as a main event player for the rest of his career. At number three is Bianca Belair, and honestly, I don't see how any woman in WWE, or AEW for that matter, can say they've had a better year than Bianca. She won the Royal Rumble from number three, went 55 uh, 56 minutes in that match. Uh, she then went on to main event the first night at WrestleMania and won the SmackDown Women's title. She then defended that title successfully against the likes of Bayley and Carmella on several occasions before losing to Becky Lynch, and still went on to have fantastic matches with Lynch, Banks, and was the sole survivor of the Women's Survivor Series team for the Red Brand in November. At number two, the former AEW World Champion Kenny Omega. Omega was champion from the start of the year all the way through the middle of November when he dropped the title to Hangman Adam Page. He set the record for the longest AEW World title reign in history at well over 300 days. And he had great matches with just about everyone he faced, from Brian Danielson, Pac, Orange Cassidy, John Moxley, Hangman Adam Page, and others as well. But, I gotta tell you, there's nobody else who should be number one in this man right here. He is the head of the table. He is the tribal chief, and we shall acknowledge his greatness on the podcast. The universal champion, Roman Reigns, who is rapidly approaching 500 days as universal champion. He will have gone every single day in the year of 2021 as Universal Champion, having won the title in way back on August 30th, 2020, and has yet to lose it since. He will defend it against Brock Lesnar on January 1st. I don't see him losing it there. But Roman Reigns had the year of a lifetime. Main evented almost every show he was on, and he was champion. He was dominant. He was what everyone would want to see in your main guy. He is not Hogan. He is not Austin or Rock or Cena. He is his own champion. His own mainstream caliber megastar. Look at the year he had. Kevin Owens. Daniel Bryan. Edge. Edge and Daniel Bryan. John Cena. Rey Mysterio. Cesaro, Finn Balor, a.k.a. The Demon, Big E, and Brock Lesnar all fell at the feet of the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. Angelo, your top ten, please. <laughs> so, following Freddy's list, 
Freddie, you have really good, really good top ten list, and capping it off with the right person for sure, and the travel chief, the one that we must acknowledge, Roman Reigns. For my top ten, though, it's a it's a little bit different. We, me and you, we got some similarities in this list. So starting off with number ten, he's someone that's definitely proven himself this year to me, especially with his mic work and in ring work. MJF. I agree. Num- number nine, Brian Danielson. Number eight, Charlotte Flair. Number seven, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. Number six, current WWE champion, Big E. Number five, former WWE champion, Bobby Lashley. Number four, former AEW world champion, Kenny Omega. Number three, current AEW world champion, Hangman Page. Number two, the rated R superstar, Edge. And... Freddie, there's very rare occurrences that this happened. Number one, the exact same person to top off my list. The tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. You can't tell me, and I and I dare anybody to argue me on this point, but there has been nobody. And I'm going to say for probably the last 15, 20 years, who has had a year like Roman Reigns. Now look. I'm not trying to compare him to Austin or Rock or Hogan or Cena or anybody because, that, as I said before, that's not what he is. But Roman Reigns in 2021 has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the greatest star not only of his generation, but he is a, a top-tier, all-time talent. And I know we've done our top 25, top 50 superstars before on this list, on this show, but Roman Reigns has proven in less than... Well, in a little over a year, but especially in 2021, that every doubter he has ever had cannot say shit to him. Because Roman Reigns has proven every single night that he is the final boss of WWE. He is God-tier. And there ain't nobody else on this planet on his level now and I don't think anyone ever will be. And if they are, it's going to be a very long time before they are. And I personally don't think he needs to lose that title anytime soon. It is rare when you have a world champion, any champion, but especially a world champion, who can hold a title for as long as he has, and you can still say, after nearly 500 days, I want his reign to continue. I don't want it to end. I want him to go on. And on, and on, and on. It is scary. But at the same time, it is friggin' amazing. We must all remember this because it will never happen again. There will never be another run like what Roman Reigns is on right now. From moment, from day one, no pun intended, it has been amazing. And it has continued throughout this entire year with every story he's been involved in. And it is only going to get better, I think, in 2022. I don't think Brock Lesnar should win it at day one. I don't even think he should win it at WrestleMania. I think if you're going to put your money on the most on the most surefire bet, Roman Reigns remains champion till WrestleMania next year, 2023. WrestleMania 39 in Hollywood. I don't think Roman needs to lose it until then. Let's, let's break every record there is to break. Let's put him in the 
in the record books as San Martino, Morales, Backlund, Reigns. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see him five, six, seven. Let it go. Let him have a Walter type reign. Go 800, 900 days. I'm okay with it. I don't care. I think he could be the only man who ever hits a thousand consecutive days if they do this right. And I'm not even exaggerating it. But nonetheless, Angelo, I think it's a good thing that you and I agree on that one. Because there's no doubt in anyone's mind Roman Reigns is the best superstar of the year. No argument. No question. He's definitely the best superstar of the year. And pretty soon, if he keeps holding on to this title like me and you are hoping for, he'll be probably best superstar of this of this era in wrestling. Absolutely. No question. So with that, that brings us to the end of another year together. And we at the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast would like to thank you for once again choosing us this year. We apologize for our rather inconsistency, but as two younger guys, it is very hard to keep this going. But you know what? This started because of a pandemic, and it's still going on because of it. So we're going to hope and pray that we can continue to be with you for many more good years to come and we thank you for choosing to listen to every episode that you may have and that you continue to do so in the new year and beyond we ask you to continue to like share and subscribe and tell your friends about us if you're a wrestling fan out there there's no reason why you shouldn't be uh, afraid to listen to a podcast there's no reason to be afraid of what you watch because as we always say always remember to never be afraid to be a fan on behalf of my boy angelo I'm the host with the Hollow French Toast, Freddie, and we will see you all in the new year. Thank you all so much, and have a good night, everyone.